Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great show. We've got Dr. Watchell, and she comes at us with a two-decade career as a pioneer in bringing innovative, tech-powered wellness solutions for chronic disease management at pharmaceutical companies, including launching some of the first award-winning personalized CRM programs that included behavioral psychology, bringing that into pharmaceutical marketing. In 2008, Dr. Watchell founded New Solutions Factory, a specialized consulting consortium of behavioral science marketing and healthcare analytics experts. In this position, she creatively partners with health and wellness brands to help them understand, manage, and solve modern business challenges with a blend of customer-centric psychology, actionable behavioral models, and technical innovation. Since its formation, the New Solutions Network has expanded. It now includes HealthEd Princeton, which is a health education strategy and health gaming experience design firm, and Insights by Design, a customer-centric research and real-world data analytics consultancy. Since 2021, Dr. Watchell has served as a chief community officer with Evermore. And that's an interest. It's not Evermore. Did I say that correct? Evermore? Evermore. Yep. You just, well, you just <laughs> leave off the E for extra. <laughs> there we go. And with Evermore, an Empathy A1 powered mind tech startup company that utilizes the science of empathy humanistic psychology, and artificial intelligence to provide an inclusive betterment platform for young people to develop transferable core skills and social mobility. In the coming years, she intends to make the brand available to as many people who can use it as possible. And her her goal is to have their platform covered by all major health plans. Dr. Watchell was inspired early on by her mother, who was an immigrant, turned global corporate executive, and always made time to do good and give back to her community. Living and traveling around the globe while growing up, Dr. Walshall saw firsthand the impact that wealth and health care disparities had on people and became determined to do something that would make a difference. And it sounds like with the Empathy AI, there's a real opportunity to make a difference here. Well, thank you for that. Um, big introduction. I hope I can live up to it today. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, we're in a world that presents us with more and more complexities and divisions, right? We've become untethered from our personal truths. And those truths, you know, are supposed to come without the burden of judgment. You know, we're supposed to have this freedom of self-discovery, creative expression, and belonging. That's kind of the basis of functioning, right? Basic mental health, right? To feel like I'm okay and I need to be here. And sadly, a lot of people, and especially young people, I'm sure your listeners are well aware, don't have that. So in, you know, working with different kinds of companies over the years and different kinds of age groups, you know, we just decided for this endeavor to focus on 
what we're calling Gen Z, which is uh, young people around 13 to about 25, and work on essentially helping lift them up, right, and helping them be the better citizens of tomorrow that they need to be in this kind of uh, wild world that we're in. Well, it's so amazing to me because, you know, modern technology has changed everything. Of course, it's going to change how we access mental health. And I mean, and it's making it available for people otherwise that may not have any access to anything. I heard the greatest story yesterday. We heard, I heard a story, a young man who's 17, Charlie, and he talked about this app he created not okay and he created it for his sister hannah hannah came to him and said you know if she could just have a button that she could push when things weren't okay for her that would reach out to her friends that it would help her tremendously it's a pre-crisis tool and so he he created the app and it was amazing to me because it allows people to reach out. You identify five reliable sources, and once they agree to be a reliable source, you can reach out to them in a time when you're not okay. And I just thought that's, you know, that makes you feel like you're not alone. It makes you feel like you're not a, a burden to others. And that's just one example of probably, yeah. you know, a hundred others um, that are out there. And what really intrigues me with Evermore is, and not that there's not science behind not okay, I'm sure that there is, but the amount of science coming at it with the AI and that psychiatry, that to me, really, I believe is going to open some doors. Well, thank you. So, I mean, yes, we definitely connect and relate to each other through stories, right? It's how our brains are wired. You know this from the Brain Performance Center, I'm sure, really well, right? So whether it's talking about your day or your visions or your struggle, your vision of the future, the, the stories you tell others and yourself can and what you share, right, they can help bring what you see in your mind into action and also can help you, like you just said from that example, connect to supportive communities. And they, those in turn can help maybe reframe how you see your life because that's, that's kind of the important thread here is, is the storytelling that we do for ourselves within our minds and that we do to others actually shapes how we feel and behave, right, and our, even our personality. So having oh. that mindset at the right moment, that can even define who you become. That's kind of what we're trying to do, you know, at Evermore, we're trying to help strengthen that personal narrative in, you know, whether it's in crisis and improving that sort of that digital life that young people are spending, you know, the majority of their time on. And, you know, they're, they're overwhelmed uh, looking for this external validations, right? So trying to shift and turn the tide, you know, around so digital wellness is part of it and inclusive and accessible. And, you know, that story is fantastic. It's kind of similar there's something in our app that's very similar where we have these things called circles where you essentially pick trusted people that you might want to share things to just in that way that you described. Um, because that support network can boo you and they don't have to be clinicians. They don't have to be therapists or counsel school counselors. They can be, they're just people who you know support you. 
And that's so important because, and I think what I really like was that they put five people in because if you can't depend upon one person to always be available for you and we, but we've got to have that level of support. We really do. And what really intrigues me about Evermore is the way that you use the artificial intelligence. So yeah, I can talk about that. Yeah. Tell us how it works. Okay. So, um, well, there's a few layers, artificial intelligence, and we call this empathy AI because there's a lot of layers to AI. It's not all the same. AI is not one thing, right? It's a tool. And so, you know, the language databases that the AI can use um, need context, and those conversations need context. So it's, you know, the richness that's in the narrative, um, the emotion the emotional framework, so under the tone, under the words, so the words alone, you know from getting a text message, anyone listening, and and you as well, Lee, right, that you can actually read the words on a text without emojis, without exclamation points, very differently depending on what you're perceiving the the intent is, right? So the tone, what you emphasize, how you do it, all matter. So, So AI and conversational analysis isn't just about the words that you say, but also how you use them. And so um, our, you know, our AI essentially runs to do instant recognition um, within a few seconds, actually, about you. And while you're speaking to it, it's, it's an audio-based, you know, AI-powered journal. And it can assess, essentially, it's not a diagnostic, but it can assess a lot of things about you and your mood and your state of mind based on sort of your natural free-flowing conversation. That's amazing. So how do do you use it? I mean, I'm sure you have to download the app, but I'm sure you use it off your phone or smartphone because we always have our phones with us. Yeah, so, okay, so there's voice and emotion AI in the core, like, technology stack in this app, right? So you download it, and, again, it's a audio journal, and it helps people identify, you know, the feelings that they might not be processing in the moment and helps them gain sort of a self-knowledge and build resilience. That's the core of what this is. Um, The way young people use it and the way healthcare providers use it might be slightly different. So I will maybe start with, you know, one group and explain a little bit and then go to the next, if that's okay. That'd be great. For the the 15 to 25 year olds, you know, we're, you know, the ones that are sort of fed up with the unhealthy socialization of the, you know, Instagram depression of seeing everyone's perfect lives and that kind of thing and, and get away from all those chat bubbles and build that strong narrative, right? So, they also have grown up. They're tech natives, so they've grown up in gamified tech. So we've actually used game theory to help make sure that this app has, you know, engaging elements to it that people want to do again and again and many times in the day. And it's kind of like what you said in your story, sort of on demand instead of, and again, this is in companion with therapy or, or not. It's not to replace it, but it's Instead of, like, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, you're going to talk to your therapist about X, Y, Z, it's on demand whenever you need to get your feelings out, whether they be good, bad, or ugly, right? You can use this tool any time of day. And all of us know that any, any given day, any given week, a lot of things may change, and your feelings about things may change. So it's a really great way to synthesize on demand what's kind of going on with you. 
for the healthcare providers, you know, they're essentially stretched, as that's I'm sure everyone knows, right? And so they're not necessarily able to spend the time that they'd like with each person. In fact, they can't even see people as often. We, you know, are piloting with universities and we hear things like two or three case managers for two to 3,000 students. That's their caseload. I mean, it's, it's, you know, staggering. And yet the mental health crisis is growing and, and worse than ever among young people. So for healthcare providers, this is a way kind of under like remote monitoring, a way to supplement the treatments and the traditional therapy that they're doing to kind of have a lifeline, a thread with their patients to be able to know that they're sort of checking in and recording what's going on with them on a month, you know, a bunch of dimensions. And they can also do certain assessments through it as well. But even just at the baseline, just to keep a thread um, between them on a, you know, more regular basis, because once a week or once a month just isn't enough. Well, I think that, you know, you said something early on that just really hit home with me, and that is you can use this anytime you want. I can't tell you how many clients, you know, that have a regularly scheduled weekly appointment when they come in, particularly in that age group. It's like, well, I'm really not sure what I want to talk about. Um, you know, I wish it was yesterday. I had a lot going on yesterday. And, of course, then I will tell me about yesterday. But for them to be able to at that moment – when they really feel the need to express that, I think that's going to make a huge change in the way we deal with our mental health issues. Yeah, and the other area that's kind of tricky is sort of privacy, autonomy, and trust, right? So when we're talking about young people, there's a lot of layers in why, you know, we see this all the time, most unfortunately, in the news around young people who have sadly taken their life and the people around them saying, oh, we didn't see it coming, we thought they were so happy, you know, those kinds of things. And there's um, some, some, there's a lot to unpack there, but I will say at a simple level, you know, we're basically trying to bridge the therapy gap and some of the missing personal context so that, you know, there's these unspoken, unaddressed truth that young people have that they might not feel that they can say. Like when you're sitting in front of someone, or even if it's on a Zoom, the, I'll use the therapist at 3 p.m. on a Thursday example, you know, you might not be the kind of person who feels that they can be completely transparent and honest. You might be embarrassed about your thoughts and feelings. You might feel like you would get in trouble because of the things you said, or your parents would get involved, or the school would get a report, or things like that. You know, there's a lot of barriers in terms of why young people don't actually say what they're really feeling. So the way we're trying to get to that is provide a place that is so private that you can say your inner, darkest, dirtiest, you know, deepest thoughts and feelings. And they can be, you know, dreams and hopes and wishes as well. But on the negative side, we think that's one of the unique benefits. And because of the fact that we, you know, we don't have advertising, this is a private, you know, we have very high ethical standards that we've worked on for years and we put our policies, you know, up front so that they can be honest and authentic. And that in and of itself, we heard, was a great demand in the marketplace. So how long has this been in the building? So we had a soft launch in the end of November, Thanksgiving weekend in the App Store, but we actually started through um, a Melinda Gates Foundation incubator, and we had, you know, a host of 
several tens of thousands of young people, you know, work through and test it there to make sure that the actual model works. And so now we're sort of public only since uh, last November. And uh, it's been going pretty well. We also have some pilots with healthcare systems that we spoke about in the beginning, uh, looking to see how we can partner with clinicians and health systems to get this in as many hands as possible, especially in underserved communities, you know, with Medicaid and those who don't have insurance. And um, we're looking to, you know, expand our efforts also with um, universities and school systems. So in the coming years, we should see quite quite a big uh, growth uh, based on the trajectory we have now. So how do you see this being used, let's say, in a school system? Is it okay. is it just used, does the school just make it accessible to, to the students, or is it some coordinated effort? That's a great question. So it, as of now, we have a pretty open structure. It might evolve c- completely transparently over time just because of the ability to manage the open structure that we have right now in terms of, you know, being custom. But um, there's sort of two ways base ways. One is, like you said, just providing access, and there are tiered plans in our um, in our service model. So there's a free plan, and then there are tiered plans that have more features that go up and have a cost, a monthly cost. So for those, they would provide the full range of services at no cost to the students. And then they would probably have some custom modules built in that would serve up some specific questions around their social-emotional learn- learning curriculum that they're trying to you know, achieve in that year, and that can vary by district. There's also um, ways that the schools can sort of select those things I was talking about before and the example you shared about the young person making the five people that you want to tap a button and connect with. Similarly to that, in the um, publicly available app, you select those. But if you're doing it through a school, the teachers might actually want to put you in a group, you know, with certain people that they determine for whatever reason. Maybe it's people you don't typically interact with, right? Maybe it's a blend of different kinds of characteristics. And they also might want to have certain, you know, traditional assessments that uh, you might otherwise get through an email or a paper form and put them into the app to have a seamless experience for users that way. The other way is more specific to maybe a specific school or district's need in a certain area. If there was, unfortunately, an event like a shooting or a suicide or something where they're trying to essentially make sure they have deep support for everybody in the student body, and that would be sort of another um another avenue where you would uh, get involved. Again, it's trauma-informed, but this is not a diagnostic. It's not, you know, under an uh, FDA um, guidance. So this is more, again, just letting them have that space to do that sharing in a safe and free way. I think that's amazing. We just had in Texas uh, this week, we just had an an unbelievable shooting and and it's broken the hearts of so many people it's state statewide um and, and when you to think that have to have something like this as a tool as an actual resource because that's a whole nother subject but any resource that can help in that type of in that type of situation is invaluable there's no doubt about it and when yeah. you think about the convenience of it, the and for some people, you know, it's an introduction to uh, to, to care, 
because for some, you know some people are they'll have every app out there. Um, others are a little more refined, and it's a good way to introduce them to it. And really, I think that kids or young people that age are more interested in it if it involves technology. Yeah, so, you know, the, the voice recordings, you can record moments big or small, right? Big feelings, little feelings, and all of these stories are saved into what we call time capsules, right? And so you can keep those, you can share them, and you can look back on them. And the AI that we talked about, that processes the, the signals in your voice, right? And it identifies hidden patterns that, you know, I think, you know, many of us could be potentially quite surprised about the patterns in our thoughts, right? And the various energies that influence how we're thinking and acting to help guide you towards a more, you know, beneficial way of seeing yourself and the world around you. And, you know, that way you can try and discover how to get to know yourself as a young person. It's not like a skill that we're really taught and how that can become a useful way to bounce back from these difficult situations, to build your confidence and your self-knowledge. Because like you said, I mean, things are going to happen. I hate to say it, bad things happen all around us. We're in wars. You know, there are, there's things in the news cycles that are sort of national, global, then there's personal. And so we can't necessarily fix those things or address all of those things, but we can help people be essentially my favorite um, way of saying it. It's uncovering the superhero within you. You know, we, we have a lot of work done in, you know, in the content about from the hero's journey, right? So the superhero within you, if you feel like you can get through X, Y, Z, then you can, and then you do. Well, you know, you particularly at that age, your self-confidence, your self-esteem is still being developed, and it, it's you need lived experiences to draw on. And say, okay, I felt this way before, and I and I was able to come back from it. I was able to I work through it, and I think that 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 gives a person a feeling of success right there. Absolutely. I mean. Basically, we're trying to bring positive psychology, humanistic psychology, and tech together, right? And then combining voice and emotion for digital wellness. And that's basically, we, you know, a lot of companies are trying to get kids off screens. And myself personally, like in COVID, I had kindergartner twins. I was like, we're not doing the screen thing, you know, <laughs> even though I work in tech. Um, you know, I, 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 so I think we have to kind of accept that once they're a little older, this is the way of life and they're going to use their, their tech. So what we decided to do is how do we make the tech better and, and designed to help. So that's, you know, sort of this tech for good movement that we're a part of, right? So essentially it's, it's trying to get a break from that, like, the chase for social validation, like, look at me, look at me, I'm so cool. You know, that's kind of what we found, you know, now they admit to it that Instagram and all these others are all about essentially one-upmanship, right? And kind of shift the focus to go within yourself. And even if you share nothing with no one, that you're building your own self up in the process, using a tool that you're going to have in your hand on every day anyway. So this can be 100% anonymous, Yes. That, I think, will appeal to a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, once it's recorded, it's it's code. The, the, the audio clips, um, the time capsules are yours, um, and you choose what you share. So let's say you were actually in a program where your therapist was involved in a program with you using Evermore. 
that doesn't mean that everything you say goes to the therapist. You still would get to choose and qualify what things were shared. So, you know, if you're in stream of consciousness and then you sort of dial it back a little bit or you want to change something or you feel like it's not, for whatever reason, you're not comfortable sharing, you don't need to. And I think that kind of, you know, over-editing we're trying to avoid, but some, some of it to feel that you can be as free to be as authentic as possible, that's the way to get to real change and to get to real help. And I think people in, intuitively know that, so they let their guard down a little, and then it helps everything. It helps the magic work. Well, I think it takes the fear out if you know that this is, you know, this is anonymous. I don't have to share anything with anybody. I don't have to be judged for uh, based on what I said or what I didn't say. And I think just opening those doors will make a lot of people feel more comfortable. And, you know, we've got a couple of minutes before we go to break, but and I have so many questions, and I'm trying to visualize, you know, how, how this would work. But it's targeting that young age group. Could it be used in other with other ages? I mean, I think of elder care. Yeah, so that's a great question, and that is something that, again, I— in full disclosure, you know, we're new. We're, we're a pre-series funding company, and we had an intent and a mission and vision. And then we've been approached, actually, by some groups, um, including, you know, the Department of Defense and seniors, where they were like, well, if we just did a little bit of changing on the aesthetic, this would be great for this other group, right, because it's private, because it doesn't have a lot of technical things you have to do. You pretty much do a couple swipes, and then you just hold down a button and talk. So it's not necessarily tech as a barrier for maybe seniors who aren't, you know, as tech savvy. You know, there's a way to do that. For soldiers in active duty, that's another area where we're hearing a lot about the mental health strain and suicide is up. And again, we're not a suicide prevention tool, just to be clear, but just to say that we are a support tool. And so we are actually exploring um, making iterations for different populations because of exactly what you said. Well, and I think there's such a need, there truly is, for for so many different populations. And just, it, we're, we've turned into such an instantaneous society. So it's like, yeah, I have a counseling appointment next week, you know, Thursday at 3 o'clock, but I need it right now. I need to talk about it. I need to process it. Uh, and just to have the ability to do that so that when you get to that counseling appointment next Thursday at 3 o'clock, you can play it back. It can, and I assume that you can. You can play it back and hear what yes. you said. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, to me, that is just, it, it's, it helps you. It's, it's almost a, as a way to journal an auditor audio journal. Yep, that's exactly what we call it. It's an audio journal. And um, well, after the break, I mean, if you want, we can talk about some of the benefits of journaling in terms of what's been studied from psychology or, oh. you know, some of the other, you know, whatever other questions you have. I'll be happy. I to. think that we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I think that would be great to talk. I love to talk about the benefits of journaling. And this may be a workaround that I haven't been able to offer my clients. <laughs> well, then, well, obviously, we'll continue to talk. I'm excited for the conversation to continue.
Do you struggle with knowing the right food for your lifestyle? Is there really a one right way to eat? As a chronic dieter, I was always so confused by the food rules and the fad diets. Where to even start? That's why I decided to go into health coaching. As your health coach, I will help you find the solution that is right for you. I will help you find balance. Unlike most dietitians and nutritionists, I focus on a whole person approach, not just food. I address stress, sleep patterns, underlying root issues, and so many other contributing factors to health. And as a mental illness survivor, I love talking about ways to fire up brain health. If you're interested in learning more and maybe even a complimentary consultation, contact me at www.sparkingwholeness.com or message me on Instagram through the handle sparkingwholeness. And now let's get back to the show. Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. We're back from break, and gosh, there's so much more that we can talk about. And before break, we were talking about how Evermore is really an audio journal. So Dr. Washell, tell us more about that. Sure. Well, I think, you know, if you haven't done traditional journaling before, it might take a moment to say that even though some of these um, less hard science-backed disciplines and treatments, things like, you know, meditation, acupuncture, journaling, they have been now studied by Western medicine and, you know, have been adopted into many treatment plans, right? And what, what do they give you? So one of the things that we find is that there's like a mindfulness that comes from audio journaling. In fact, more than even handwriting journal, because you start to almost you know, you can imagine if nobody's there and you're just talking to yourself, you start to get a stream of consciousness thing happening where you're just aware only maybe of what's happening right now without being able to think about it or edit it in your mind, right? That negative feedback loop isn't going. You're, you're just holding on to the pleasant moment. And it's a way to take charge of your life. And it's, you know, we're, like we said, it's a challenging to live in today's fast-paced, ultra-connected world. And the amount of information we're exposed to on a given day is just staggering, right? We're, we're overwhelmed with endless work and family commitments and appointments, and our attention and energy are pulled in so many different directions. So we're honestly, all of us, but especially young people, are, are chronically stressed. They're drained and depleted. And then there's that drowning noise. So we're sort of getting more scattered, more reactive, less thoughtful and intentional, and, and less sort of present. And so there's sort of this revolution happening around mindfulness, uh, meditation, journaling that helps essentially counteract some of those overwhelming pressures of everyday life. And these have been studied in pure journals. They can even also have other clinical benefits like blood pressure lowering, you know, all kinds of other benefits, right? Immune response lowering. So it's basically helping you shift from living your life on this autopilot to being a living life a little more consciously and to have a little more mindfulness. And then, you know, to be in the moment. And you're, you're anchored in your body, in your breath, and you slow down some of those automatic thoughts. And it's, it helps you release and, and helps you get unstuck. 
Well, you know, it's amazing because there is so much science that supports this type of, of thing. It's like I was reading the other day a study with diabetes, and it was talking about how you slow your breath rate down, you slow your heart rate down, you get your heart rate and your breath rate to dance together, you're creating heart rate variability. And what a sign of wellness that is and how that had impacted so many people that have diabetes. It's just, I think the, you know, the potential from from something like Evermore is huge. Well, I thank you. Yes, I mean, obviously there are no um, clinical studies right now, so I can't, you know, cite from within the app, but I can talk about, you know, like you said, meditation, mindfulness, journaling, all of these things have a common thread, and they have been studied to show a lot of these benefits for all ages, for all ages. And so when you have that need to give a voice to your thoughts and feelings because they're running around in your head too much, right, it gives you that psychological safety, right, and it gives you a path. That's what the app does anyway. It gives you a path to wellness, and it's using game theory, so it's actually enjoyable, right? You get that reward that you get from, you know, doing anything that feels good, and it actually brings you to a place of feeling good within yourself, right? So it doesn't have a lot of video stressors. It's not a big text interaction that you have to read, and they're not necessarily academic skill building, but they map personal passions and purpose and narrative identity and social emotional skills that have been lacking and especially, you know, COVID being being isolated has exacerbated those needs. And then we have, you know, the assessments for monitoring your cognitive functions for your skill building, self-regulation, all that kind of stuff. So it takes sort of um, an open just how you doing today situation and, and br- brings you down into channels of areas of where you can enhance your skills build your confidence or resilience, mastery, grit, all the things that help us move from A to B in life. Well, you know, and it's really hard for a lot of people to journal, to, to write it down, because that's a that's there's a transference that has to occur in the brain to get the information out of your brain onto paper. And for a lot of people, that can take, it's just like it, it takes so long. It makes me feel so frustrated to sit there and keep trying and trying. And so they don't do it. And anything that I can do to help get my clients to journal, to think about what you're grateful for, what are you thankful for? You know, what what are the three positive things that happened to you today? Those are, that's where I will put my energy. Yeah. I mean, like the heavy use of like text-based or video-based social platforms like, you know, TikTok, everything else, right? They're hijacking true personal stories in, in, in terms of what's really mainstream, right? They're putting a lot of hidden stressors on young people and, and, and many of us, if you participate, right, on how we present our digital self to the world. And that then you lose context, you lose meaning, what truly matters in, in a lot of human communication, which is personal reflection, that meaningful conversation, and the, the power of the voice. And when your behavior changes, you know, they're deep-rooted and sometimes undetectable factors that you can't necessarily see or understand while you're going through a challenge, right? And even some of the people who care for you might not see or know this. That's part of why, you know, we wanted to make this avenue here, right? And journaling and just simply reflecting, they, they like we said, they are scientifically proven as mechanisms for learning and, 
and, and as determinants of health. They integrate all of our senses, our memories, our experiences, and ultimately, some, you know, eventually form a cohesive story, right? And that can become your vision for what we want to become. And it's, it's honestly, I think, some of the most pa- powerful technology that's really practical, repeatable, and sociable. Well, I agree with you, and it's certainly promising. There's there's no doubt about that. So we've talked about it in just general use. Are there any specific programs like for depression or anxiety, or is it just generalized? Um, because, and, and this was a careful consideration as a, you know, someone who's been a therapist and everything, we, you know, respectfully saying we have carefully chosen not to be a diagnostic. So we are not trying to directly um, address, you know, trauma in that way, but it is trauma informed. So it is more, I guess, general, if you would say, but it does have, you know, markers for lowering anxiety and depression, because if you think about it, it kind of just makes sense intuitively. And this is where the, you know, the, the psychological studies, our, our study design is based on years and years of research on something that if I say it, it's going to be like, yeah, duh, right? And here it is. <laughs> if you are a person who feels that you matter, what you say and do matters, what you say and do is good and is meaningful, and you can continue to address challenges with a growth mindset like, you know, this may happen to me or, you know, instead of just I failed, I suck, but this didn't work out and I learned that, you know, then in general, life becomes a little bit less anxious. Life becomes a little less hard, you know, so it's kind of, it's in that zone, if you will, and it's really just about buoyancy of the whole person. Well, and, and, you know, I think I saw on the website, you know, it talks about inclusive well-being. Mm-hmm. And I like that it it looks not only just at the con- what's going on a conscious level, but what's going on on the unconscious level. Because you know as well as I do, every minute that brain is capable of taking in 11 million bits of data. Research says that between 40 and 126 can go in on a conscious level. Personally, yep. I think it's 40, but we don't have to do the math. Where does it all go? It goes into that unconscious thought process and how we react and how we experience. And I think that, you know, factoring that into the to the system really enriches what it has to offer. Yeah, I mean, our so the AI, the empathy AI, it uses the, the dynamic psychometrics about like what you were saying, sort of the known and the unknown, the spoken and the, the less spoken, or things like the content in context that we spoke about. So, you know, you have this quote-unquote story that you're sharing, but when you're sharing it, you're using a bunch of adjectives, you're using tenses. Are you rooted mostly in the past? Do you even realize it? You know, there's so many layers to it that, like you said, aren't necessarily in our consciousness. And then we hope that we give young people and and their caring loved ones or maybe, you know, their partners in therapy, like that this is essentially a tool to help navigate key moments in life and then to build those transferable skills on how to do that, you know, to turn, you know, the adversity into resiliency, like one story at a time. That's that's really what we're trying to do. But just knowing that you have a tool to utilize, that increases your confidence in any situation by at least 25%. 
instead of, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know how I'm going to react to it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, That's when I see my clients getting into that reactive mode. They overreact Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. they underreact. They, They pull back. They isolate. And just knowing that, okay, you know, I've got something to use, that gives them at least the hope that it'll turn out good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, sorry, I I was like thinking of how to say. So, you know, I love what you said about just knowing that it's there. It gives you like a 25% boost. Um, so I'm trying to think of how to say this without revealing any personal information. But we've had some people, you know, use use Evermore as a supplement for some real challenging situations that they were already working in a behavioral program that already had, you know, workbooks and meetings and those kinds of things that you would think of, right? So whether they be for self-harm or an eating disorder or, you know, major depressive disorder or, or things like that, you know, some of the benefit that we got, some of this testimonial, besides the clinical endpoints, right, was that just knowing that it was there all the time made me feel just a little better. And literally almost like a phone-clutching moments in the pocket of nervousness, even though <laughs> – so I, I, I feel like we've heard a lot of stories anecdotally about that stat that you said. And I think that's that's the beauty of it. It's really just knowing that there is that lifeline, knowing that there is that net under the trapeze, even though you don't want to fall on the net, right? Or even though you want to say, well, I wish I wasn't so needing this all the time. But knowing that it's there is part of it. Yeah. And it's healthy. It's healthy. Because, I mean, before the pandemic, one out of four Americans over the age of 12 suffered from a mental health or a substance use disorder. Right. I cannot even imagine what that statistic is today. And I think that we've got, we've got to, uh, instead of denying it, oh, no, no, it's not any worse. We've got to be open to wrap our arms around it and, and show some compassion. And something like this is a way of, you know, saying we care about you because I can't tell you how many clients will come to me and I'll say, you know, I just wish I could speak. I just wish I could say what I wanted to say. And because they get in that reactive mode and they clam up, they lose it. And to be able to just be able to go home and being able to speak and then hear their voice play back to them, that's powerful. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, the the AI is doing a lot. The empathy AI is doing a lot to help organize. What are the patterns? What does that mean? What, What might be something you should reflect on because of that to take you to a different place that you've made? Maybe it's a determinant of who you are. And, you know, like you said, I mean, the mental health crisis is exploding. We have the highest level of teenage sadness ever recorded. Right. Therapists are book solid grades are falling, right? We have suicide attempts on the rise. We have violence on the rise. It, it's not great. Um, I think it's uh, more than one in four girls reported that they had seriously contemplated suicide during the pandemic. Uh, almost half of LGBTQ teens said they contemplated suicide during the pandemic. It's 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 rough, you know? And so we just 
all of us. Like I, I left big corporate and my big job to do this um, on, on a hope that it will ultimately become something that we can have as, you know, our, our full-time job because I wanted to feel like I was doing something that mattered, doing something for the next generation. It's just staggering. And so starting with a simple thing, you know, just let's just start talking. Don't worry about what you say. Don't worry about what it means. Let's just start here. And it's actually almost as easy as breathing. And that's why I think the audio journaling is such a natural extension. We, you know, we did a lot of research about what would be the best mechanisms. And this seemed to be one of the easiest way to just start. Well, it makes sense to me. And I could certainly see, you know, I, I can close my eyes and envision about a dozen clients that I think, you know, might be able to benefit from it. And I'm all about, as a clinician, being able to offer as many tools mm -hmm. that you can have on your own. Because, I, you know, I do CBT, and CBT yep. is not lifelong therapy. Negative thoughts create negative feelings and negative behavior. How do we correct the negative thoughts? So mm -hmm. I'm always looking for tools that I can give people. And you know what? Great. If you never use it, great. But having it in case you did have a need, even better. Yeah, I mean, that's why in terms of like if we look outside of age, you know, this is sort of, I, I think, sort of a human universal need. And like you said, I mean, when I was saying about the incubator with the Melinda Gates Foundation, you know, when we had minors involved, uh, you know, the parents get involved. They have to do permissions. I, I run some programs with the youth and we had to get media releases. And of course the parents are like, this is so cool. Can I do it too? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, you can do it too, you know? So um, it, it is seemingly like a universal need and, and, a, and a simple way to kind of get started. And, you know, I want to make sure I'm also saying, you know, that social media necessarily isn't the evil thing, but it's, it's that, the activities that social media has now replaced with young people. And then I'd say in parallel with older folks, not necessarily social media, but it could be, or the isolation of COVID or just the lifestyles of now people being so busy and just getting together less, right? So that's, that's part of that cycle that spins your negative self-talk in your own mind that you don't release. And or people don't actually, of all ages, right, talk on the phone anymore. Like talk to sit and have a conversation with a person live or on the phone. You know, we do it for work. You go to a Zoom, to a Zoom, to a Microsoft Teams, to a Google Meet, but they don't have necessarily an actual conversation with your thoughts and feelings. And so some of the basic thing that we're doing is also priming that. And that's kind of, again, a, a very core human attribute that we've had since the beginning of time, you know, song, movement, you know, all those basic things about how we express ourselves. Well, it's interesting because I think that we're going to see in the future, we're all looking for more ways to address the mental health issues because we have to. We absolutely have to. Is this multi-language? Is it or is it, I mean... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So I don't want to misrepresent because it's kind of changing every day. We are actually in an active um, upgrading cycle, sort of weekly. Um, but yes, we started with English, and we are expanding to many, many languages, including, of course, you know, Spanish and 
all, all, you know, hopefully will be in, in every language. It's difficult. It's not as simple as just hitting a translate button like a flat content website might do because we want to make sure there is a lot in language that is culture, right? So if you just translate words for words, they don't have the same meaning. So we're doing it, you know, slowly and carefully. But yes, we are expanding to multiple languages. That's great. That is absolutely great. So is that something that you see coming out in the, the next year or so? Oh, yeah, even less, even less. It's it's underway now, yeah. That's great. So what else is, you know, what else is coming at us after this? It sounds <laughs> like, it sounds like, is it, you know, you guys certainly are well, looking we're, forward we're thinking. About, yeah, we're excited about a couple things that, like, the nerd in me is excited about. Um, we have some partners doing some interesting studies. Um, one is um, a university looking at trust and how you know, trust in information, trust in AI, and how young people feel about it and how that, in terms of decision, making decisions for their lives, and they're looking to measure that. So we're, we're seeing a lot of interesting things coming from our data. Now, I want to be really clear to say this data isn't, like, sold, and it's not personally identifiable. It's an aggregate form, and it's just, you know, so just to be really clear, we take that very seriously. Coming from pharmaceutical background where we had a lot of patient health information and HIPAA regulations and, and OIG compliance, you know, we take this very, very seriously out of respect and also, you know, the regulations in place, but we are um, obviously collecting a lot of incredible information, and we're using that to try and help people get more from their life and more from these tools, but also more from each other. That's great. That that truly is. So when you look back at, I mean, looking back at your career, it, it, you kind of evolved in this direction. <laughs> the whole way. What do you what do you feel like has has really added the most value for you in this role? Um, well, the way I came about um, joining Evermore um, and helping, you know, b bring it to life was really kind of um, three areas of interest that I've always had. So I've always had an interest in technology, but I'm not a tech whiz. I'm sort of tech whiz adjacent, right? <laughs> early adopter, early use. My mom was um, worked for Bell Labs and Lucent, and we had were one of the first people to have a computer. And you know, around the fact that I had a computer in my dorm was like a really big deal. And you know, used to do dial up. Um, hangman games with people all over the world where you put the actual physical telephone receiver into this little machine to like do before, you know, AOL even times. And so I've always been interested in information and people and processes together, right? I studied psychology, behavioral psychology, so I've always cared about wellness and betterment. And, you know, I worked in big industry, so I see how to sometimes policies and programs can really affect change at like a global scale or a community scale. And so those things kind of all came together. And Ivy, the founder, and I had previously worked together, and, you know, it was just sort of, and she left uh, her role at uh, PwC to, to do something that mattered. And I think the pandemic made a lot of us take stock in what we're doing, why we're doing it, and does it really matter? And so for me, this this was how I got here. Well, and it makes it, it, it does matter. And I think that as it continues to evolve, there are going to be many more efforts that are, are going at it. And that digital format, that's the way of the future. I mean, I see five-year-old kids in my office that can take a cell phone and they can do things with that cell phone that honestly, I can't do. 
I'm like, how'd you do that? What'd you do? Right. I mean, that's why I was saying, you know, instead of fighting it, I mean, and I say this as, as one of those who limits and restricts techs for, for my kids, my little kids especially. We have a no tech at the table rule, you know, that kind of stuff. So not to be a hypocrite, I think it's a balance. And, but at the same time, you know, it's not going away, like you said. <laughs> so we're trying to embrace it and layer in things that actually don't harm you. And, and I think that's at its truest, simplest level. That's what we're trying to do. Well, and, and I think, you know, why social media has gotten such a bad rap is because with the Facebook and with the Instagram, it's turned us into a comparative society. Mm-hmm. We're comparing ourselves to everybody else. Look at my dress. Look at his car. Look at that vacation. Mm-hmm. And this is something that gives someone freedom. It's not about what's going on with Lee. It's not about what's going on with Bob. You know, it's about what's going on with you. And that, to me, really, that's an area that where people will find comfort. And I think that will continue. And if you if you start young with it, oh, my gosh, it'll be there for you. Because right. and I, Yeah. And I think with, with all that, the uh, other areas, though, that, you know, are a little lacking in the younger generation that I think the, you know, Gen X and definitely, you know, boomers for lack of saying them age groups, you know, the the way we all understand them, we're able to have a different kind of like resilience that young people just don't have because they're, you know, they were pretty much more independent at a younger age, right? Like you probably worked earlier if you're an older, you know, in an older yep, generation. Absolutely. You had yeah. more responsibility. Your parents weren't necessarily, this whole idea of the helicopter parent wasn't even a thing, right? You were just playing by out in the woods with your friends or whatever you were doing, and then it was dark, and that's when it was time to come home. Um, we didn't have the the 24-hour news cycle for doom scrolling. Like there's so many reasons that these tech natives, these young people, are very different too and need need something good on this device, right? And the older generations can still benefit, I think, from these simple kinds of interventions and the simple way we go about it using your voice. Um, I mean, simple for the user, not simple for the tech. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's really, they don't have that depth to draw on the young people that the older generations have in terms of being able to face adversity sometimes because they just, all the obstacles are being removed for them. Oh, Jane had a a dog scared her. So now we're going to just never have her near a dog. If our friends have a dog at their house, we're not going because Jane's afraid of dogs because of this one time. Rather than maybe let's go to the pet store where there's some puppies and start to get comfortable and pet some, you know, and kind of build up, you know, it's just a different way of being that's kind of like the parenting culture of the millennials and some of the younger Gen Xs of these Gen Gen Zs and Gen Alphas. So they don't have that. They, all their obstacles are eliminated. So sometimes someone says something not nice or bullying, right? Like in the days of old, I mean, actually school fighting is down. I mean, now we have the other thing we were talking about, but in terms of like the direct verbal and all that kind of stuff is, is less, but it's very rampant on social. And so how to, how to build up your, your shields, if you will, your reserve, that doesn't bother me. That that's something that they need help with. Absolutely. And we've got a couple of minutes left, and I just want to make sure that our listeners know how to get more information about this if they're if they're interested. I was on the website the other day, and I don't know if, if this is still going on, but it said join pilot program. 
Yeah, so those are for, we have a lot for organizations, which you and I can talk afterwards. But if you would like to check out the app, you can go to the App Store, and it's E-V-R-M-O-R-E, Evermore, and download it there. If you want to get in touch with me, um, my name is in the program, and you can find me on LinkedIn is probably the best way. And we're happy to talk to any groups or organizations about things. We actually work with a lot of nonprofits. I forgot to mention. Sorry. It's hard. There's a lot in here. Um, because we're trying, again, to make sure that we can provide access to everyone who would like it. And um, I think those are probably the best, best two ways. Well, thank you so much, you know, for for being with me today and sharing information. And I'm sure, you know, thank you guys. You're on LinkedIn, um, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all yeah, kinds of different all those, yeah, all those. Yeah. The necessary evils, yes, we do use them because those are where people are, you know. So that's marketing table stakes, I guess, these days. But yes, <laughs> absolutely, and it's so easy to check it out there. So. Again, Dr. Watchell, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for sharing. You're doing such exciting. I can't imagine how gratifying this is going to be when it takes off. And honestly, I know it will. Thank thank you again. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, We want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on 